1: All right.
0: Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Joe's never here on Friday. Mr. Ben's hard at work, probably enjoying continuing education so he knows how to uh, uh, stay informed about the important topics of the day politically. So we have John Shipman here. I'm glad to say I always say thank you for your service. Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. U.S. Army veteran, of course, he has been active in city council and a treasurer in the city and just making sure, not the elected treasurer, but treasurer on Council, uh, making sure that the finances added up, and uh, he he could get eleven pounds out of a ten-pound bag. I would always impressed with that. So making that budget work in Sunbury without raising taxes, which was a high priority for you and the council. So we yes. appreciate that. So welcome, to the Board of course and the, of course, insurance and investments and uh, financial advice, or your other specialties. Fifty years. Okay. Well, my uh, 401K is a little flat, so we're gonna have to get <laughs> in touch with some of your because, well. You know, it's uh, your colleagues it's
2: uh most of them should be uh back where they were at the beginning of the year and and uh i'll have to check and see if that's true truth you, be told i don't be. i don't actually uh, you know that so. it's pretty close <laughs> to the it, it's it actually exceeds what it was on january the market exceeds what it was on january 1st and it's a little behind what it was sure, i'm part of the mainstream media i'm not
0: supposed to talk about that no. Oh, sorry. And, uh, but it's still behind what it was at the peak in February. All right. So we well, we'll, we should touch on that during the 9 a.m. hour, and we certainly will. So John Shipman is here on the mark sponsor of the Sunbury Motor Company. Check him out at sunburymotors.com. We'll open up the phone lines during the 9 a.m. hour. But to start us out today, we're so glad to say that uh, we have literally jammed ourselves with a shoehorn into the busy schedule of Scott Meinke. He's a professor of political science at Bucknell University. I always consider Consider him a judicial expert, so we're going to ask him about the U.S. Supreme Court, now, very informed on the politics and goings on inside the Beltway and the history of all of this, so uh, we thank him for calling in today. So good morning, Dr. Meinke. Thanks for calling in.
1: Good morning, Mark. Good to be with you again.
0: I do appreciate that. Now, uh, did you get a chance to catch any of the highlights or maybe even the whole events last night with the two presidential candidates?
1: some highlights and, and read a lot about it I wasn't able to sit down and
0: watch them it, right? yeah it's uh, two, uh, two hours you'd never get back so to speak when you're supposed to be taking <laughs> care of the family and grading papers and whatever else do you still right. do you actually grade papers anymore does that happen?
1: We sure do, yeah. Although uh, right now we're doing a lot of it digitally, but uh, but yeah, lots of greeting.
0: Okay, so you still have to do that on a regular basis. So I know that often fills your weekend. So uh, we'll move on. Okay, but uh, just a quick reflection on what you have heard about in terms of the highlights of this. The president had a very contentious uh, evening, and uh, Joe Biden got a free ride really for really 90 minutes or so. Uh, your view on this?
1: Right, it seems sort of like a, from what I've seen, it seems like it was a continuation of the themes over the, the past couple of weeks since the first debate and really of some of the. Uh, the tone and things that came out of that first debate, where, as you said, I think the president seems as if he was uh, he was pretty uh, contentious, con- pretty uh, pugnacious, and and uh, and took the opportunity uh, with sort of a mainstream media journalist to uh, to make that a, a battle um, and uh, a bit of a spectacle for his base to uh, to enjoy. And uh, Biden seemed to to want to take the opportunity to to show his show his connection, as he has always done throughout his his career. His big thing is, you know, um, uh, showing that he he makes a connection with the average voter, and he seems to be uh, taking the chance to do that in that forum.
0: Are you imparting on your students? Do they already have a sense at how bizarre a presidential race is? I mean, most of your students would be pretty young, so you'd have to say that this is not how presidential elections and presidencies generally go
1: right uh, that has been the theme for the last 5 years and i remember in in 2016 uh you know telling my students this isn't this isn't normal this isn't how this usually works and uh that's certainly true again this year um, it, in all kinds of ways and you know in 2016 it was a lot about the the candidates and uh and this year it's not only the candidates but the the climate and the issues uh surrounding the election as well it's uh Uh, strange and and fascinating uh, all at the same
0: time. Now, uh, people often think colleges as being ultra-liberal, but we know that's not the case at Bucknell University. We can point out a couple of conservative professors there. Same story at Susquehanna University. Uh, The student body makeup, is it primarily uh, liberal? We know uh, there is an active college Republican group conservatives in on campus as well. What's the makeup of the student body? Sure,
1: you know, I think um, Bucknell is, uh, you know, college students on average are, are more liberal uh, than, you know, than the, the rest of the population uh, on average. And I think, you know, Bucknell students probably are, are lean a little bit to the left on average. But then if you compare Bucknell to to some other, uh, you know, top liberal arts colleges, I think it, it is maybe a little more conservative than some of them in the student body. And I would characterize uh, a lot of the students as, as having sort of uh, you know, maybe socially more liberal and economically slightly more conservative inclinations. I will say I think I have been at Bucknell for eighteen years and I will say that I think the students at Bucknell uh are a little more liberal than they were when I got there on average. And that may not be a reflection so much of Bucknell of as it is of kind of a change among uh the political inclinations of, of the youngest generation in the electorate, which has gotten more democratic and more liberal. Um,
0: in the last few decades well and I, I know that you teach objectively we, we, we know that to be true uh, is I that do my best. Tr- is that true for other professors as well they really try to, to not reveal uh, and I know we've talked to dr. Ellis a couple of times you just cannot tell where his politics may lie for him
1: I you know I think uh, I can speak for the the faculty in my department uh, who I think to a person um, you know think that it's it's it is important in teaching students uh, about our discipline to teach them how to think systematically about politics to give them a framework and how to, how to evaluate evidence um, but that we didn't get in this discipline as I, as I tell my students in order to turn students into Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives um, but rather to, uh, to, to teach them a, a way of thinking and evaluating evidence about politics and so you know, we all have strong views um, and uh, you know, when there's cases where the evidence points really clearly in one direction, um, you know, I always tell my students, I'm not gonna pretend there's two sides to, to issues where the evidence in my field shows there's not, but, uh, but uh, at the same time, we're not out there trying to Uh, turn students one way or another. That's not why we that's not why we got PhDs and decided to go into this career.
0: Let's look back at the presidential race, the big issues. I think the president's handling of COVID-19 seems to be always under the microscope. Uh, Joe Biden has a new issue to respond or not to respond to if he so chooses this idea, of the Hunter Biden uh, connection using his uh, influence. So uh, what are the top issues and what impact are they having on the presidential race?
1: I mean, I think that the, the top issues uh, in this late stage of the campaign, ha- has the top issue has been uh, the coronavirus and uh, the current administration's uh, handling of it, um, as well as the, the economy. And, uh, you know, I think that that has, uh, the politics of the last two or three weeks has played poorly for the president, and this is not where... The president wanted to be fighting this reelection campaign. Um, you know his uh, his approach in the in the first debate uh, didn't seem to be winning over the voters who were not already in his base. Um, and then uh, his own unfortunate bout uh, with the coronavirus seemed to put that issue or keep that issue uh, and and his administration's handling of it front and center and that's not playing well for him right That's that is the top issue for many voters um and it is an issue where he is disfavored i think it's really interesting despite all the difficulty that the economy has had this year and the connection to the coronavirus issue that voters still give uh, president trump a slight edge as the candidate they prefer on the economy um and you know as i think about how trump could be handling this this reelection campaign and how uh, he might yet frame the last few weeks um, if he were able to focus, as I think President Clinton used to say, uh, like a laser beam on the economy um, and stay on message about that issue, he has a potential advantage there. Uh, and when we hear him say, you know, I built a great economy and I could do it again, uh, that's something that does seem to appeal to some, to some voters who might yet be put in his column. Uh, but he hasn't been able to, to, uh, to send a campaign message that's consistent about that to this point.
0: Well, we've seen that we can verify it if you ch- if you asked us to with various economic statistics. I mean, not just Wall Street, but uh, joblessness getting very back uh, close to what would be considered a normal level under any economy, and uh, not quite back into the you know low single digits that we had uh, prior to the pandemic. But uh, uh, of course, and none of that good news is uh, comfort for somebody who's not working. So we're not trying to be insensitive here, but we can see that the economy is uh, successfully clawing back, as as we call around here well now we've seen both Fox News do the president's road back to the White House using the states and the swing states and the electoral college to say how he'll be able to uh, climb back into the Oval Office and we've seen CNN with the same map and the same states and turn them red and they're showing Joe Biden's uh, path to the White House so uh, what is uh, President Trump's path to re-election what's Joe Biden's path to the Oval Office?
1: So I think that uh, President Trump still has a path uh, to getting reelected, but it's a but it's a pretty narrow one. We look at the uh, we look at where the national polls are right now, and uh, you know, Trump is behind by about ten points, um, and uh, that's you know pretty consistent in the major polls that are coming out and the polling averages. Um, how does that translate then across the states? The states that um, the states that Trump needs to hold. Um, in order to get reelected our states you know where where he he won in 2016 um, and where he's down by not quite double digits but almost in in a lot of them um, in Wisconsin in Michigan in Pennsylvania uh the Biden is up by you know somewhere between 5 and and 8 points depending on the state um, on average um, and if if Trump is not able to hold on to those states or replace one of those states with a different state like um, like Minnesota um, then the path becomes, becomes very difficult. Uh, and really, you know, the focus here on, uh, on the outcome should be on the Electoral College, because um, I, I'm, I'm loath to make predictions anymore after 2016, but, uh, but I'm willing to, to predict with a fair amount of certainty that Trump is not going to win the national popular vote. And so the question becomes if he can cobble together enough states where he has some advantage. Um, and that is the uh, the path that's looking narrow. Uh, right now, we're we're looking at um, at states like Florida and Georgia and Texas um, as being competitive. Those are those seem to be the states that are that are on a knife edge and, and where the election is basically tied. And, and if that's the case, then that then that does not look good for the president. But uh, things can swing in the last few weeks. Uh, we saw some some movement in the last few weeks of 2016. Um, Trump has a lot farther to go than he did in that race, but it's still possible.
0: Well, we know uh, however Ohio goes, so goes the presidency, so I won't ask about them. But in in Pennsylvania, uh, can the president win without Pennsylvania? Can he win without Florida?
1: Um, He needs Florida, um, and he needs Pennsylvania, given the way that the the states are, are stacked up. If he has lost Florida and Pennsylvania, uh, then, then he's pretty much he's pretty much lost. Now, you know, Florida is close. Um, Biden has a very slight edge in the polling average there, um, and Pennsylvania, as I said, I think is was is between six and seven points on average uh, in Biden's direction. Um, you know, I, I, it is, it is, it is. Possible to imagine a situation where Trump uh, pulls this closer uh, by, you know, going uh, going on a more disciplined message about the economy, um, and and where he's able to pull some voters back into his fold in Pennsylvania and uh, and pull it out again. Um, but you know, this is it, it's getting late, um, and the advantage that um, that Biden has had in those states, especially Pennsylvania, uh, that Trump won. Has, has started to look pretty durable, um, and I think you know when we when we compare 2016 um, and 2020, we've got to recognize um, not only that 2020 is different because it's a referendum on an incumbent and an incumbent that um, that has done a really good job solidifying his base, but not a good job during his administration and during the campaign of, of reaching out to to swing voters, and in fact has I think alienated a lot of swing voters. Um, and we also have a, um, a challenger who, uh, for whatever reason, and it's probably a combination of reasons, um, is not as personally unpopular as, uh, as Hillary Clinton was. Um, Biden, uh, as politicians go these days, is, is viewed fairly favorably. Um, he's got you know, areas where Trump uh, can make some headway with, uh, with attacking him, but he's viewed fairly favorably compared to Hillary Clinton. And the combination of you know, sort of a negative judgment on the incumbent um, and a challenger, who, uh, who, is, who is viewed fairly favorably, uh, is making this a, a, a pretty steep uh, hill to climb for Trump.
0: What about all of the issues associated with mail-in voting? The, the security issues, the counting, canvassing, and the accepting ballots thereafter, really? Are, are we losing confidence in the electoral system because of uh, the, all the asterisks that go with when you allow mail-in voting?
1: yeah i think i I think that we uh, we <coughs> excuse me, we are at risk of having an outcome that is viewed uh, that is viewed as not legitimate by a significant chunk of the electorate. Um, and and, uh, uh, and that is a potential problem. I think that um, that mail in voting does not have to be. Uh, viewed as uh, as suspect or, or insecure. Um, I think that what we know from the states that have uh, a long history with mail in voting um, is that it can be done well, uh, and that it uh, that it is not necessarily uh, something that uh, that we should view skeptically. But it, it it has to be it has to be structured well and has to be structured fairly. Uh, Pennsylvania has made steps in that direction I think we'll probably be okay, uh, but we're going to learn some things from this election cycle and I'm hopeful that states uh, will will take the lessons from this election cycle to, uh, to clean things up uh, going forward.
0: You're hopeful? Skeptical? Uh, I, I heard we are hopeful, Pennsylvania, okay, but uh, nationwide, uh, have you seen anything? And, and maybe you don't get a chance to dig down into the uh, sort of what's being reported kind of thing these days
1: no i mean i i I do not think that we uh, that we need to view mail in voting as inherently flawed right I think that uh, that it, that it is a problem that uh, that some of the political messages that are out there are suggesting that um, and we know that uh, we know that mail-in voting, as I said before has a has a long history in many parts of the country of being done successfully um, what i'm you know what I'm seeing in Pennsylvania, although you know there are some hiccups and there have been some uh, some uh, some errors as there are uh, in voting processes generally um, is that is that it is it is working reasonably well I got an email this morning indicating that my ballot had been uh, had been received which is a, a reassuring a reassuring thing right that it, it goes in the mail um, if you get it in the mail you you fill it out you send it in um, you get an email back saying that it's been that it's been received at the county office um, so you know I, I I'm concerned that Although, you know, although different states have different rules and we'd be better off by making these things more uniform, I'm concerned that, uh, that, that, uh, some political messages are out there that seem to be, uh, deliberately undermining people's confidence in the process at a time when, uh, when people need that option.
2: Uh, Professor Mikey, this is John Shipman. Uh, I have a question. Uh, Pennsylvania has a long history, obviously, of uh, mail-in ballots uh, where you have to apply uh, and receive a ballot based on your application. Uh, You may then complete your ballot and return it. That's a Mm -hmm. lot different from some states who are just mailing ballots to everyone who is on the registered voter list where it's been demonstrated in many cases that there are tens of thousands, in some cases over hundreds of thousands of people on that roll that should have been purged. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, again, we, we, we have evidence from, uh, from states that are all mail-in, or that, uh, that begin with the assumption of all mail-in uh, with the process that you're describing, uh where we do not have evidence of uh of widespread fraud we do not have evidence that 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 has been a problem um, and you know and it, beyond that to the extent that people are concerned about that we we don't have a lot of states that are following that process most states that that have uh, that have a mail-in system this year that has been expanded uh, or that is being used more widely uh, are like Pennsylvania, where you do have to make the request. Um, so uh, you know, I just don't see evidence that's out there. That's not to say that you know that we might we might not uh, learn new things, but I just don't see evidence that's out there right now uh, that that's creating a widespread concern about fraud.
0: I waited too long to ask this but let's uh, switch to the judiciary I always call you a judicial system expert I'm not sure it's worded that well on your resume or not but I I certainly know you're informed on this Uh, this idea the uh, judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, moving through the nomination and selection process uh, quickly here just a quick reflection on that please.
1: Yeah. So the hearings this week, uh, Amy Coney Barrett seemed to acquit herself uh, well um, you know, in the way that these things work uh, and you know, parried the questions from, uh, from, uh, from the senators uh, well. And uh, nothing has come up that would seem to uh, be leading any of the senators to think that there's um, opposition mounting against her that, uh, that, you know, that would switch any of them that were going to support her. Um, in the other direction, so it sure seems like she's going to be voted out of the committee, and, and that Mitch McConnell will uh, make a vote happen on the floor prior to the election. Um, the politics of this is interesting. I don't know if you were asking this as well, but I'll comment on it anyway. I mean, the, the politics of this has has been kind of sucked into the campaign vortex, as, as far as I can tell. Um, so that uh, you know, the the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee used the opportunity this week. I thought it was very interesting. Um, to frame the, frame the debate around the issues that are favorable to Democrats um, in the election. So, you know, they focused in, uh, in particular, on the Affordable Care Act and on the cases coming before the court um, uh, that might overturn the Affordable Care Act and sort of used the nomination uh, hearings as a platform uh, for talking about that issue. Um, and Republicans, you know, of course, are, are finding this useful as a way to rally their, their base. Um, uh, given that the judiciary has has been very important to Republicans in connection with issues like abortion for many years. Um, So I I think in the end, although there was lots of speculation at first about how this might reshape the presidential race all of a sudden, I think in the end uh, that that this process winds up kind of reinforcing things for most people and isn't likely to be an issue that moves that small number of voters that, that might yet be undecided
0: so infinitely qualified as the judge that I think that squelches any uh, uh, issues in, in that although she is uh, seems to be as conservative as advertised uh, finally one mm-hmm. quick question we don't have much time but packing the court this idea that's been brought up and talked about uh, Joe Biden doesn't want to it's a dog for Joe Biden but the nation is talking about it
1: you know I think uh, as far as the political uh, the political issue the election I think uh, that, that issue has not gone well for Biden um, again, I would say that it's, uh, the whole court packing question or expanding the size of the court um, is is not one that you know, the average voter is making their decision on, and so it, you know Biden has probably made the calculation that. Um, that it is, it's better to be evasive uh, than to than to take a position. Although I think it it looks pretty bad uh, when when Biden dodges that question and when Kamala Harris uh, did the same at the vice presidential debate. Um, and we'll see whether they manage to continue that uh, all the way up to the election. Um, you know, the the court packing question. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I'm a bit of an institutionalist about about these things, and so I'm pretty skeptical that uh, about. Democrats' plans to, uh, or some Democrats' advocacy for, um, responding to breaking of norms by breaking more norms. Um, I worry about that cycle in American politics. I think it's uh, fair for me to say that, Um, and so I'm a little concerned about that. At the same time, um, when we look back over the whole scope of American history, we've had a number of times where uh, majority, where a party that previously had a very strong majority in the electorate um, lost that support uh, for a long period of time, but still maintained, um, but still maintained control of the judiciary. And we've seen big tension come out of that, and politics about the court come out of that. Um, we saw that in uh, in, in 1800 and just after. We saw it in the 1860s saw it again in the late 1930s Um, and in each of those cases the the size and the makeup of the supreme court became an issue and so you know this may not go away uh, if we wind up in a situation where democrats do well in elections over the next several election cycles um, and the supreme court has a very solid 6-3 conservative majority uh, it wouldn't be historically unprecedented for this issue to to be one that gains traction and for for us to have a a big fight um, about what the supreme court looks
0: like well, thank you so much for the information and the help and checking in. We really value your uh, input and opinions, so do stay in touch. Don't be shocked if I buzz you up again in the next couple of weeks because sure. your analysis very much appreciated. Thank you, Professor Mikey.
1: Yep, glad to be with you.
0: That is uh, Dr. Scott Mikey, professor of political science at Bucknell University, uh, and uh, talking about what I always call the bizarre presidential year. All right, we'll take a quickie break. We will be right back.
1: now, here's your host for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence.
0: Great things, and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show. On the Mark, we're going to enjoy an open phones segment now. Now, we got uh, opportunity for you to call in. we got a dozen texts uh, to read on the air. We'll do that. we got a couple of emails. We had unanswered questions for Senator Yaw yesterday, so we got the answers from him. He was listening as he uh, drove into the sunset, and so uh, we have his responses to those unanswered questions, so we'll put those on. The radio. We have some excerpts of last night's discussions on the two different TV stations. One was on uh, NBC, and that's where the uh, vice president was and the Democratic candidate on NBC, <laughs> and uh, essentially a favorable uh, series of questions and uh, inquisitions from the public as well. And uh, President Trump was on ABC, not especially in remark. Oh, do I have it? Have it backwards? I got to reverse them. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm flipping them around. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, uh, the president was on NBC, so he was I- in the in the viper pit as far as bias media goes. So uh, we have some excerpts of that. We'll play that, and then of course the vice president on ABC, and he had very smooth going last night and uh, uh, got his a- questions answered. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we can talk about what uh, Professor Meinke had to say. John Shipman is with us, so uh, we're going to extract his view. And I always ask him about convention of states just. To see if maybe there's another uh, what's happening this year has to help convention of states, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, one of the
2: one of the things that we need to understand is the federal government is out of control. Doesn't make any difference who the president is and who Congress people are. Uh, it has usurped power that it, it does not it's not entitled to in the Constitution. And hopefully uh, we will have a little more balance on the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court has decided that it is a super legislative body in, over the last thirty years or forty years, and has intruded into places that it shouldn't be. Uh, so and. And, and so every, every branch of the federal government has uh, heaped to itself power that it does not have in the Constitution.
0: We have to be tickled this week when you watch Amy Coney Barrett on those rare moments when she was asked a substantial question that really got into what the Constitution might actually say. She's brilliant in that regard.
2: She is a brilliant woman. You know, she finished first at at, uh, at the Notre Dame Law School, top of her class. She's taught there for 15 years. In those 15 years, three times she was voted by the students as the Professor of the Year, which means not only is she brilliant not only does she does she uh care about the students not only she's a good teacher uh, there was a blind girl that she helped you know through law school and so forth who's now clerking uh on the supreme court and she said yesterday about you know she gave uh amy barrett great uh uh thanks for helping her to get through law school and and go on to, uh, you know, her chosen career. So she's a great woman. She's a family woman. Um, and uh, she's got well-behaved kids if you watch the, the <laughs> stuff and <laughs> they never make a peep her her kids are so well-behaved i mean she's a model she's got a loving husband who who by the way probably takes as much responsibility at home or maybe more than she does by her own admission so you know she's everything that that uh, the that uh... The the uh, feminists have been saying a woman should be, but now they
0: hate her. So I don't understand that. We'd almost have to be a a, a homemaker type person to to do that because she the way she describes her schedule. Uh, I don't know. They used to call them house husbands, but I guess that phrase is uh, gone. But uh, uh, maybe he has had a household. Who knows? He, he has a he has a thriving law practice. Oh, he's busy. He, he's, he, a he a, I he mean, he's a lawyer. He has a job an outside Yeah, job. right.
2: <laughs> so they both do. So All I mean, right. it's like.
0: Jeez. Okay, so he's a busy guy. Talk too.
2: about equality of the sexes. There's a there's a marriage where there's a much equality. He's a lawyer, she's a judge. Uh, they both have to help out. They both have
0: careers outside of the home, and they both have to help out at the house. I mean, it's uh, she's a remarkable woman. One 9565 right. is our telephone number. We're going to open up the phones. Uh, anybody with any observations or information they want to pass along or opinions, feel free to do so. Got a bunch of texts uh, lined up, so we're going to read those on the radio. And uh, we're very much interested in hearing what you have to say about uh, what we've talked about so far. Uh, so feel free to give us a buzz. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. Uh, we did not feel it this time, but the last time they imploded the smokestacks, uh, we could the building shook here. Yeah, the table shook back and forth, and you could hear it. This time, I think it went past. Well, of course, we both had our headphones on most of the time, so well, unless it's
2: uh, unless it didn't hurt. Occur right at nine
0: o'clock, which sometimes doesn't happen. But yeah, right. w- w- we didn't feel anything yep. this time. No All right. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll free line now open. Call us 1 800 795 9565. That's 1 800 795 9565. You can email us at on the market about the and text us at 70236. We do have some more headlines coming off recent comments about how a vaccine will be distributed first to first responders and health care workers in Pennsylvania. The State Secretary of Health, Dr. Rachel Levine, says as for waiting for the vaccine trials to progress, we will just have to wait.
2: And so that is why we had said that science is going to drive this process, that you can't put a date on when the vaccine is going to be distributed. We have to wait for those clinical trials to unfold.
0: Dr. Levine says when the FDA and NIH say there is a safe and effective vaccine, they'll start the process in Pennsylvania of presenting, marketing, and offering uh, that vaccine first to first responders and health care workers. Two more Northumberland County, COVID-19 deaths reported by the state. Community spread of individuals with COVID-19, not individuals in nursing homes. 28 new coronavirus uh, valley cases overall in the latest update. You can uh, read uh, the numbers, the spike of these Surge in pandemic cases that have occurred around here lately appears to have hit a peak, and it's now very, very slowly uh, that uh, still many numbers come in each day, but not quite as many numbers as has been happening in recent weeks, and that includes hospitalizations, federal prisons, you name it. Uh, we're no longer peaking in that regard. A New COVID 19 testing sites popping up in Northumberland County and Elysburg along Route 487 at the Polar Tech site. Dr. Rachel Levine says. It's actual free, not meaning that they get your insurance information and bill you later, and you may or may not have to pay any or co-pay. This is actual free. Uh, 6 uh, Let's see, where's the number? Uh, they can do 440 patients a day from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, four more days ahead, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. They'll have that open, uh, and it's open right now in that particular area. Liability finally being brought up and talked about in Harrisburg. We have a report uh, from uh, Mr. Sims.
4: One of the bills would provide limited liability protections for industries which have stepped up during the pandemic, while another would lower the state's corporate net income tax. Representative Jonathan Fritz says the bill he's proposing would ensure permitting decisions by the Department of Environmental Protection are made within 45 days.
3: Instead of putting up a wall of red tape, we should be rolling out the red carpet for businesses and responsible industry. My 45 days deemed approved legislation provides the predictability and consistency that investors and businesses Truly want.
4: Other post-pandemic recovery bills proposed by House Republicans would provide a tax incentive for manufacturers to come to Pennsylvania and establish a select committee to look at jobs of the future. Mark Sims, News Radio, 1070 WKOK.
0: WKOK News. Time now coming up on 9:15. We appreciate everybody standing by while well, we did the important news headlines. We're going to open up the phones now and uh, get your information, uh, get your uh, opinions. We got a bunch of texts. One of our listeners sends a text, says it happened. PPL falls to the ground. Goodbye forever. So that's the end of that. Uh, the the new chapter officially underway. They're growing medical marijuana at one site on the property and. Uh, Natural gas, electric generation—they're doing it another and uh, that's amazing p- thing. That that uh, that the
2: new plant, the gas plant, produces four times the energy that the old coal plant did, and twenty-five percent of the emissions. So, talking about—I mean—that's a, a big step in improving. Uh, the local air quality and so forth here in central Pennsylvania, four times as
0: much energy at one quarter of the emissions. So big step forward. Right. And, and uh, it's a turbocharged plant. I've been on a tour where they show you really how they just use anything that gets warmed up, heated up, propulsed or under pressure gets utilized to generate more electricity. It's, it's really something. All right. We talked about the election. One of our listeners says widespread fraud, Any fraud is unacceptable skip widespread and there is fraud perpetrated by democrats and they've been arrested for that fraud so we'll read as many as these texts that we can we're probably up to about 50 or so uh, so we'll read some of those uh, but it is the telephone talk show so please uh, make sure if you want to get your opinion no know, uh, known uh, give us a buzz 1-800-795-9565 eric the first community caller of our day good morning
5: morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I heard a rumble down here in Port Trevorton about five minutes ago, so I think I can confirm that the the towers did come down. Um, So last night, I was bouncing between both of the town halls, quote-unquote, and there was one answer from the president I was wondering your guy's opinion on. So the president, when we were talking about coronavirus, and as people know, I call in, I'm very concerned about the coronavirus with older parents and so forth. So the president's question, Mr. President, were, did you receive a test for the coronavirus the day you were positive? And the president came back and said, I don't remember. So, so which is it? Is the president lying to the people again or is he now impaired by the virus?
0: Well, uh, how many days of the year are we through? We're probably through about uh, 270 days of the year. Uh, he says it gets tested about every day. So if you had if you had let's say 175 COVID tests, would you always remember all of them?
5: I think I would remember the day that I te- that I was declared positive whether I had a test or not. Yes, I think I would. But I'm not impaired and I'm also not a liar. So <clears throat>
2: Well, obviously, you've, you know, no matter what the president has said, it would have been wrong, so we just leave it go
0: there. Well,
5: I'm glad you said that, no matter what the uh, president said is wrong. I'm glad you said that. In your, in
0: your opinion. In your opinion, yeah. That, that's be, <laughs> <laughs> let's include everything. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Call back. I know you'll have more thoughts today, so we definitely appreciate you checking in. Thank
6: you, gentlemen. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thank you. Uh, Mike from Bloomsburg, PA, thanks for checking in today. You're on the mark.
6: Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, I guess Twitter and Facebook have decided they didn't want to post a story that looked, you know, made Biden look bad because they said it was unverified. But you know, gee whiz, I think we can go down the long laundry list of uh, anti-Trump stories that were unverified and they were national news in every outlet. And then the other thing, uh, as far as uh, the elections going. Remember back when Nancy Pelosi famously said we have to pass the bill that so we can find out what's in it.
0: Right, you have to and then we can read it, right?
6: Yeah, so the the, the new version of that is Biden and Harris you have to elect us first to find out what we're going to do. <laughs> and uh so that that's what I have to say there. And then the last thing as far as news is concerned, I just happened to turn on your uh station when the when the news I guess would be at the top of the hour that was on and it seemed interesting to me the way they frame the coronavirus. They mentioned swing states where the virus is surging. Okay. And then they mentioned basically white European countries where the virus is surging. So who are the Trump voters that that Trump has to have? He needs the people with white European ancestry and he needs the people in the swing vote. And they just happened to be the uh, places where the virus is surging that were mentioned on the national news on your radio station. (laughs) Why was that? Coincidence? I don't know.
0: Well, maybe just trying to reinforce that where the president needs to win, uh, he's not going to make it.
6: (laughs) Maybe they're just trying to reinforce that all those old people that aren't in favor of uh, mail-in ballots that planned on going to the polls. Maybe they're just trying to scare them. I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I don't think. When I have social media suppressing stories that are dangerous to the people that they like, and letting unverified stuff run wild against the people <coughs> that they they uh, hate, I, I just have to wonder what the future is going to bring. Because let's face it. The kids today, growing up, they're not watching the TV, oh, you yeah, know, the news on the TV. They're not listening to AM talk radio and the news at the top of the bottom. They're connected through social media, right. and if social media controls the news, that's the future.
2: Right, and I agree with that. Uh, when these f- platforms first came out, they were given wide exemption because they were not supposed to be um, a, a newsmaker. They were supposed to be uh, in the role of a publisher who just publishes other people's uh, information, and therefore they gave were given uh, wide ranging uh, anti anti uh, lawsuit protections. In fact, they have become propagators of news. They have uh, been able to selectively uh, uh, censor news that they don't agree with and so forth. Um, all of a sudden yesterday, Twitter got humble when the Republicans in d- decided to call them in and discuss this. Uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is that Silicon Valley, where most of these places are, is a tremendously liberal place and uh, they reflect that. And uh, you know, sometimes people just can't help. Their bias is so strong that, that uh, they can't see the other side, and that's unfortunate because in most cases there is two sides to every argument. So I agree with you that uh, they have become the arbiters of truth.
6: Exactly. And they, and they like to they like to assign meaning to terms that doesn't exist, like militia is a code word for trump supporters okay <laughs> if you own a gun and you're a trump supporter you're 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 a militia so we hear that you that word militia used over and over again when in reality there must be a lot of militias in the inner city areas of this country where people are shot every weekend on a regular basis
2: <laughs> well know. we've said before that you know guns don't kill people people kill people and uh, the sad part is that uh uh, the the prob there are tremendous problems in the inner cities uh, there has uh, there' uh, tremendous poverty uh, all the Ill- illegal immigrants go into the inner cities because they would stick out too much other uh, other places and so people who live in the i feel really sorry for people who live in the inner cities uh, they really don't they really have a difficult life and uh, the problem is that Uh, although we've talked about it, and talked about it, and talked about it, we're really not doing anything to help those people very much.
6: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. and the the one thing, and I I, I mean, pretty soon, inner city is probably going to be uh, one of these words that Webster's uh, dictionary doesn't approve of, or one of these phrases, but I was brought up to believe and learn that education was the great equalizer. My my mother was an immigrant family, they they basically lived in the uh, Italian slum, and the family was taught education is the great equalizer. And to me, we have, uh, they, you know, basically, it, it's an accepted fact that almost anything government runs is too expensive and inefficiently. And the, the biggest business government is in in this country is education, in my opinion. And I, I don't believe that as taxpayers, uh, we're getting what we're paying for. And I don't believe that the kids that are getting the recipients of this uh, education, they're getting what's being paid for. And I think we, that is the only place that prog- when you talk about the uh, problems in the cities, the only time that we're going to have uh, progress is through the educational system. And uh, right now, I believe that the Democrats and their propaganda have strong control of the future of the country through the edu- educational process. So, that's all I have to say today. All I right, guess I okay, thank you. Thank you a little bit. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, I
2: think school choice would be the greatest thing that we could do. Um, every politician says that a person's education shouldn't depend on their zip code, but that's they don't really believe that. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, I think that uh, school choice uh, is the answer. Uh, we un- we know that. Uh, uh, parents who have the choice of where to send their their kids, send their kids where they think they can get a good education. And I think that parents should be in charge of their children's education and not the federal
0: government. All right, we got open phones, Mm -hmm. 1-800-795-9565. Dial us up right now, 1-800-795-9565. One of our texters sends us a note, uh, and this man is always right, so we're going to read it as is. The advantage Biden may have was given to him by the lies spread by the mainstream media with no investigation of his dealings of Russia, Ukraine, and China, along with his corrupt son, Hunter, who used Biden in a (laughs) pay-to-play scheme. Social media platforms are censoring facts about Biden's corruption. (laughs) Uh, Stan, you're wrong. Censoring is spelled with a C. (laughs) So I don't don't get to tell Stan he's wrong very often, so when I get it, I relish it, and so... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist, buddy. But yes, I appreciate you, and, and I think that's a defendable position. I honestly think uh, you know uh, this uh, hunter thing is getting a who cares test from the media, and so we're not going to hear much about it unless you listen to Fox. There's one quickie dismissive article on CBS.com, so you can you can read about what's wrong with the story there. All right, we got one caller waiting, another one coming in. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. We're going to bookend our announcements as we do, and tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. You can see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and pre-owned inventory online. You don't have to go down there and visit their friendly faces if you do not wish to. You can select the perfect vehicle, purchase it online right from your home. If you wish to go visit them, as uh, lots of folks have no hesitation to do, these vehicles are moving off a lot fast. Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915 on 4th Street in Sunbury and Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You can do as I've done many times. Go to the quick lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury and tell them you'd like to get pumped up with nitrogen, get an alignment, get your body work done and get a tune-up so you're in tip-top shape and you're ready for whatever you got. Any road trips again, you're going to a football game or wherever you're headed, uh, you can uh, make sure that your vehicle is ready. Quick Lanes is open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. SunburyMotors.com, their website. They would very much love to hear from you. 1-800-795- nine five six five email at on the at WKOK Welcome back w to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark, one 800 You heard uh, dueling opportunities for the president. Uh, well, the president, uh, he had a tougher time last night.
3: Why are you asking me about Antifa? Why aren't you asking me about just, the radical left? Uh, you, why monetary. aren't you asking Joe Biden questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa?
6: Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're Antifa. here for
0: me. No, she's, <laughs> <so cute. laughs> You're here for me. But Joe Biden had an easy ride last night.
6: It is a presidential responsibility to lead. And he didn't do that. He didn't talk about what needed to be done because he kept worrying, in my view, about the stock market.
0: All right, so that was that. Okay, we got a text. So, President Trump was contentious and Biden was steady and ready. The first question Trump was hit with by the NBC host was, why don't you denounce white supremacists when he's done that dozens of times over the last four years? All that was a gotcha question, and he flat out lied, or and she, she flat out lied, saying he hasn't denounced uh, them. Uh, how do you expect uh, Trump to act but to push back and push back hard? So, so he denounced, he also denounced Antifa and the radical leftists destroying America's uh, city, something Biden and the mainstream media have refused to do. So what is that? Biden will destroy the economy if elected, says one of our good texters, who I expect I will hear from in the uh, hour ahead. Joanne, you're on the mark. Thanks for wading through all of that. Go right ahead. You have the floor.
7: Yeah, I... Uh i i don't want i want to let you know that i don't like either of the candidates the republican or the democrat but i'm terrified of um our president's re-election possible reelection, because i think he's a really sick man i think he's he's got like every symptom that a psychopath would have and his judgment is always filtered through his ego before he makes any decisions his ego decides he doesn't take, um, he doesn't look to the professionals and the specialists for input before he makes a decision. He, he has never done that. Uh, his company, the company that he ran was a family company. Uh, I'm afraid that um, our, uh, our adversaries, uh, uh, the Russians and uh, um, the our enemies, Um, know how to play him. Um, When he was in uh, when he was in Riyadh the Saudi royal family projected a five-story portrait of his face on a building. Um, Putin told him he was a genius and uh, Kim wrote him love letters. So, you know, he what, what what I really should say is my main concern is that he cannot collaborate with people who are responsible. He can't sit down and listen to other people's opinions. And with this COVID thing going on, he doesn't accept the science. He, he has to have, he has to be at the top of the heap, he has to have it his way. There's no debating with him. Um, he needs attention all the time, passionate attention. feed his ego either positive or negative he needs to be the center of attention and uh with covid he, he couldn't sit down with a group of people and assess the severity and the needs and organize specific responses and uh gather information and and uh you know really keep people from dying he can't collaborate
0: well, I don't think you can say he's a psychopath. I think we could arguably say he's a narcissist. That was his textbook there. But a psychopath is a, somebody with pathological egocentricity. Well, maybe that applies. Incapacity for love. We don't think that's true. Uh, lack of remorse or shame, impulsivity, grandiose sense of self worth, pathological lying, and manipulative behavior, poor self control, promiscuous sex. He's sexu- got all
7: that. That mm. describes him pretty much. He's a, he, he he's can't a couple of them, maybe. He can't accept responsibility.
0: Juvenile. He can't accept oops.
7: negative consequences. He will not change course when things are failing. He will not say, "Look, this isn't working. I have my people here. We're g- we decide to go another route." He cannot do that. He cannot say he's wrong.
2: Let me let me just say something here. Uh, Donald Trump is a self-made man. Donald Trump has great intuition and great uh, skill. At understanding situations and uh, responding to them, Uh, he showed that in business. He started out uh, with a his
7: businesses failed, all of them. I mean, all of them. No, 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 no. Four hundred million dollars.
0: Listen, his his worth is like two billion, though.
2: Listen, there isn't one American who pays more federal income tax than they're required to. Do you? Figure up your taxes and I say. I don't
7: care about the taxes. I don't care about politics. I'm talking about his mental acuity. I'm talking about what, what he's capable of. Okay.
2: Well, of let and me. Okay. What
7: he's incapable of. He
2: he is a self-confident person. He has more confidence in himself than he does in his advisors. So he he, he has
7: confidence in his ego.
2: <laughs> well, that's
0: that's that's I think what John just said.
2: Anyway, but we let, have let, no
7: allies anymore. He can't sit down with with uh, our allies in uh, Germany and Canada and, and uh, England and, and France. He can't sit down with them because he he's not up. To, he doesn't have the information. He doesn't have the intellect. He he can't uh, accept other people's opinions. He can't collaborate and, and get the best outcomes for our country.
0: All right, we got you, Joanne. Thank you so much for calling in. Very very much appreciated. Uh, John, you want to respond without
2: interruption? Well, I think that we need to understand that he is an America first president. Donald Trump loves the United States of America. We have been sold out for the last 30 years by our politicians. We have exported our jobs. We have hurt our own country in the name of globalism. And Donald Trump has complained about that long before he was president. He complained about that in the 90s already that we're giving away the United States to these other countries. Now, all he's asking is that they pay their fair share. Germany who we bailed out after World War II with the Marshall Plan and rebuilt the country, only pays a fraction of what their their NATO obligation is. And he called them out on that. Why would why should Americans continue to pay for people to be our friends? If they want to be our friends, fine. If they don't want to be our friends, fine. But they need to—they need to treat us with respect, and that has not happened under the last three or four administrations. It didn't happen. Uh, I think Ronald Reagan was probably the last president to really, to really uh, call. Our enemies are enemies.
0: I used all those fancy psychological definitions, but what he really is is a bucking bronco. Yeah. <laughs> that is what you get. I mean, he's, he's got a singular mind to, to work for what he works for. We'll take all comers <laughs> and all opinions, and uh, we have a couple of open lines. One of our listeners sends a note, says, So that nice woman doesn't like either candidate, but she didn't tell us anything she didn't like about Joe Biden, uh, and you didn't ask her what she didn't like about Joe Biden. So, well, maybe she can call back. Everybody gets a minute. And they can say so. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We've got callers waiting, texts awaiting, emails ready. We'll be right back.
6: And there's a lot of things we can do. We shouldn't be defunding cops. We should be mandating the things that we should be doing within police departments.
3: I'm you asking Joe Biden questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist?
0: And welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, Tom, you've been way, 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 way more than patient. We're very appreciative of that. Thank you. Go ahead.
8: Well, I don't know how many people watched that town hall last night with Trump, but, I mean, uh, i got to agree with Joanne or anybody else. This guy is a sick, sick puppy. I don't know what's wrong with him. I'm no psychiatrist, but some of the things that were brought up, this conspiracy theory that he tweeted, he said it was a retweet, but it doesn't matter, he tweeted it, that Biden played a role in killing SEAL Team 6 and that Osama bin Laden is still alive. This is the president of the United States. Now, I mean, if a guy at work or something said like something like that, I would think the guy's off his rocker. Now, this is the president of the United States. And another thing was this refusing to uh, condemn this Q-anon, who says that Democrats and movie stars are pedophiles and that they're cannibalizing babies and something about Hillary Clinton has some kind of an operation going in a pizza shop. <laughs> now, <laughs> Now, this is the president of the United States. I would think anybody... That you know and out in the real world that' say I would think they're off the rocker. I don't see how anybody can vote for this guy and another thing he said he said eighty five percent of people that wear a mask get coronavirus so you're still there yeah, okay.
2: yeah listen I'd like to I'd like to address that that is a CDC statistic. The the Center for Disease Control released a study this week that said of the sample that they took, which is, in my opinion, a very small sample, that 70% of the people who got coronavirus in this test, in this sample, said that they always wore a mask. And 15 more percent said that they usually wore a mask. So he is simply quoting a CDC statistic. So if you aren't, if you aren't,
8: but that's not true because they said on TV when they were going over fact checks, they said that that is completely wrong. Well,
2: you you go and look up the CDC.
8: Something and saying something that's from the CDC, it is not true.
2: Well, you go that's look true. up CDC statistics because the CDC released that study this week. So I don't so, know who.
8: So eighty-five percent of people. He said eighty-five percent of people. That's the Eighty-five C- percent of people that wear a mask get coronavirus.
2: Well, that's not what he said. That's what he said. He said uh, there's. So that a...
8: would be so that would be eighty-five percent of eighty-five percent of the population in this country if they wore a mask. They would get coronavirus, according to him.
2: Well, you're turning that around backwards.
8: No, that's that's he's turning it around. That's what he said.
0: All right, we got that's you, Tom. That's what
8: he said because it had to be collected.
0: All right, we've got to get another call. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for checking in. Glad to hear from you. Uh, let's see. One of our listeners says, Does Tom actually believe QAnon exists? It's a myth, Tom, and you fell for it. How gullible are you? Um, let's see. Another listener says, uh, National polls are worthless and only biased towards Joe Biden. Presidents are not elected by national numbers, but by the states and the Electoral College. So we appreciate that. Uh, Chris, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead.
4: Yeah, maybe you can uh, find uh, Ben Sasse's, the Republican senator, comments about...
0: From? Uh, we have the printed version. I, di- I didn't look for it nor find, and we don't have time for the uh, audio version, but we know what happened. I can read that if you're interested. Uh, Republican U.S. Uh, Senator Ben Sass uh, told Nebraska constituents in a telephone town hall meeting that President Donald Trump has flirted with white supremacists, mocks Christian evangelicals in private, and kisses dictators' butts. Sass, who's running for a second term representing a reliably red state, made the comments in response to a question about why he's been willing to publicize, uh, has been willing to publicly criticize a president of his own party. He also criticized President Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and said Trump's family has treated the presidency like a business opportunity. So that's a quick excerpt of that. Yes, that's a
4: quick excerpt. It sounds better when he says it, of course. But anyway. <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm
0: always there let's, for you, so, Chris. Let's,
4: and, and uh, a 36-year veteran of the Justice Department resigned because of the way Barr's been uh, acting as a tool in, uh, for Trump instead of a attorney general of the country. And the, the, the conspiracy theories, Trump pushes conspiracy theories all the time with no factual basis, just retweeting, as Tom said. And this is really pernicious. Uh, the the Elders of Zion, that's been around for over 100 years, and it's still causing trouble uh, and still doing harm. Conspiracy theories live for a long time, and for the president to be pushing... Such things in the interest of his own election, versus any idea of anything factual, is really bad, and he does that consistently. And it's a corruption of a whole truth and news uh, of anything factual, and it's it's an incredibly horrible thing for a president to be doing, as just as a with Barr and acting as a. The president's attorney, as uh, Biden uh, mentioned in his town hall, it's really a terrible thing to be doing that with long, possibly long lasting uh, effects.
0: But his actions, the things, that, sort of the results. So those are the things that he says, and and of course, words have meaning. We'll we'll stipulate that. But uh, in terms of his actions and what he's done and what he's tried to do, and, and uh,
2: actual
4: corrupt the, the the Justice Department to uh, act as a foil for his his, his re-election. It's bad.
2: Can what? you uh, can you give us a a, a uh, an illustration of of that point? Uh,
4: pardoning. Well, what? Uh, Pardon me, well, uh, the, the, having special extra scrutiny of any time a friend of his who has possible information about his own misbehavior receives special scrutiny on the positive side. And then the way he says he wants to lock up Obama, he wants to, to convict Obama, and... And Hillary of things, and then these last two investigations that uh, were really run just for election purposes—the unmasking and the and the Russian uh, investigations—both have both have now been completed. And they didn't even find anything worth worth releasing.
2: So you think it's all right for members of the administ- current current administration to unmask uh, you or other United States citizens uh, without I a cause? Think
4: sometimes they have an interest in it. He investigated what? it and found nothing, apparently.
2: <clears throat> well, everybody has an interest in unmasking their political opponents, but uh, you think that's all right?
4: I think uh, if. Uh, I, I don't have the facts of how many people did it or why, or what the reasons for, but...
2: So you don't think that Barr the United States... Trump are...
4: ordered Barr to do an investigation, which he did, and they didn't find anything they, they're going to release.
2: So you think it's all right for the federal government to just uh, uh, wiretap I... people, and, and, you know, we have laws no. in the United States that protect us against this, and it shouldn't be going they were, on. They
4: were, they, were, they were wiretapping Russian Russians. That's how they found this stuff.
2: Well, they were specifically asking for a particular individual to be unmasked. That person happened to be a United States citizen.
4: Yes, because otherwise the name would have been mentioned if it wasn't a U.S. citizen. That's what unmasking is.
2: Exactly. But you think that's okay?
4: I, I think it's okay in some circumstances, and as long as it remains top secret that that uh, that adds to do, it, do, doesn't do,
2: it? Do you mean it's uh, you mean it's okay if one political party unmasks the other one, other political party, but it's not okay if the other one masks the first one? I I think
4: it's a judge's question of their interest and in the national interest and what. We'll okay. Why they're doing it, but they've investigated this and found nothing.
2: Well, they didn't find, they found things, but they didn't find anything that they felt was enough to criminal. bring uh, criminal. Uh,
0: uh, yeah. Right. All right, we got to go, Chris. Thank you
2: so they much. Haven't
4: found anything criminal, and he's calling for the jailing of his opponents. Is that a good thing?
0: No go. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Chris. See you
4: yeah, <laughs> Use your head.
0: Uh, All right, we're geez. on. Thank you, Chris. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's see. One quickie uh, email. Well, we'll read that when we come back. We'll hit the break and we'll be right back. When we come back, probably callers will get about two minutes each. We'll return shortly.
6: Let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that uh Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true? So disavow disavow QAnon in its entirety. I know nothing about QAnon.
0: All right. We got caller standing by Joseph. You get uh, 90 seconds, actually a little bit over a minute. Never-
9: I never get too much time. Sorry, buddy. Ah, Well, oh, my. My head's spinning here. Uh, President Trump's a a, a psychopath. This is ridiculous. He sits down with people. He got NATO to uh, to cough up money that we've been supporting and have a nuclear umbrella protecting them, having our forces over there. Like you say, we will rebuild Germany and things like this. He got Kim Jong Un to give back uh, dead prisoners, you know, and so forth. He he sit down with him, and and uh, uh, just go on and on. But I wanted to comment on the town hall last night. <clears throat> that a uh, town hall, to my understanding, is that the people get to ask questions. Savannah, dear Savannah, was asking all the questions. In fact, I was watching Fox News this morning, and they said how many questions and how much time she took up compared to what the people asked, and it was just. Uh, Twice as many. And not only that, her comments and her very uh, uh, trying to, I got you uh, questions and so forth, uh, uh, that she uh, uh, tried to trap him and stuff. And as far as the Democrats in this uh, whatever it is, uh, this conspiracy theory about uh, uh, children, I wouldn't put that past them at all. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but uh, any party that is so in. Uh, in love with right. killing unborn babies, how can they respect children?
0: All right, we got you. Thank that, you so much. Really, the most
9: innocent child you can get, an unborn baby. appreciate you know the call, me-
0: Joseph. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, Cindy, you get a minute. Go right ahead.
7: I'm glad this issue of the masks came up today because there seems to be a serious misconception. The masks that the government says, make yourself a mask and put it on, it is for you, it is the purpose is to you for you to keep your germs to yourself. It does not protect you from other people's germs. No one ever suggested that it would protect you from other people's germs. So that study that was discussed where all those people who had COVID were indeed mask wearers and conscientious about it, I'm not surprised at all. It's not the purpose of that mask to protect you. These aren't medical grade masks. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank
0: you so much convention of states all right 10 seconds go 10 seconds lots of
2: progress uh Good. but uh, uh you know we're having problems in pennsylvania
0: we need to get the, our own people behind it yeah they need some convincing we need to uh get them to put their thinking caps on right and uh, we'll that's the only solution that. Thank you so much for carving Thank two you, hours Mark. out of Friday Minutes. I really appreciate it. Always John a pleasure. Schindler, our good co-host today. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK, OK, Sunbury.